Hello, welcome back to MLEX's podcast covering the top regulatory stories of the week. My name is James Paniki, Asia-Pacific Senior Editor here at MLEX, and it's great to have your company. We have something a bit unusual for you this week, an audio documentary put together by our Australian reporting team, which goes behind the scenes of the country's first criminal cartel trial in recent history. The background to the case is that in 2018, a man from the Australian country town of Mildura became the first person to be charged under Australia's 2009 criminal cartel offences, eventually facing trial in 2021. Rob Hogan and his company Country Care were accused of attempting to induce fellow retailers of disability aids into a price-fixing arrangement following an investigation by the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission. It was a draining 12-week trial for the lawyers, the jury and Hogan himself. MLEX, of course, was in court almost every day. By the time it was over, Hogan, his company and a young former employee had been acquitted of all charges, with observers left wondering why the ACCC had chosen this case to put the criminal cartel offences to the test. As for the person at the centre of the case, he says that the five-year struggle to clear his name and avoid jail has left him shattered. A year after his acquittal, Rob Hogan has agreed to speak publicly about his ordeal for the first time. Laurel Henning has followed the case from the beginning, And she filed this report and a quick glossary for global listeners. The word Commonwealth in Australia is used as an adjective to describe the federal government and federal agencies. The ACCC, their methods of interviewing um, people, the methods of getting their information and then what they actually choose to use, I just think is... It's just disgraceful. They need to understand there's humans at the other end of every decision they make and they just think it's a bit of paper or something. I don't know what they think it is. I think they are actually showing that the criminal cartel regime is working as it should because not every case that is brought should lead to a conviction. And that's the same whether it's criminal cartel regimes, whether it's market manipulation or whether it's general, you know, sort of burglary type cases. Not every case will lead to a conviction. And he said to the jury, I concentrated so hard, but I did not understand. And if I didn't understand it, it's okay for you not to understand it. And if you didn't understand it, you have to acquit. It's a cold but sunny winter's day in Mildura. I've flown in to meet a person whose face is already familiar to me from the 12-week trial that saw him at centre stage. Rob Hogan is the executive chairman of Country Care. Hi, Laurel. How are you? Good to meet you. Yeah, likewise. Nice to be here. Yeah. I've walked into a large suburban showroom with a wide range of disability aids and mobility equipment on display. There are reclining beds, scooters of all sizes, walking frames and devices to help those who are injured, disabled or frail to get on with their lives. Uh, product for us. So it's the, the lift chairs, so the recliner lifts, so lift, lifting up to help people out of the chair. Yeah, yeah reclining back, so home comfort. It's, it's really, everything you see in here is about um, keeping people in the homes for longer. So mm. we, we really focus on delivering equipment into people's homes. And how long have you been in this? Yeah, so March 2020 into this store. Yeah, so we had a smaller store. 
I'm visiting the company that I first heard about in February 2018 when federal prosecutors announced charges against it. I then reported on the first hearings in the Melbourne Magistrates Court later that year and finally the trial by jury in the federal court, which kicked off in March 2021. This case has all been about Country Care, its owner and manager Rob Hogan, and their relationship with other retailers in regional Australia. The customers from here, they're really health provider driven, um, and then we have our retail customers. In this location, the retail is much better. You know, next to Coles, across the road from Woolworths, all that sort of thing. So, but come for your pint of milk, come and get yeah, your Yeah, that's it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. It's interesting. Before he was targeted by ACCC investigators in 2016, business was going well for Rob Hogan, a boilermaker and welder by trade. He had become interested in fixing and improving disability aids in his hometown of Bendigo after suffering a series of back injuries. From that initial interest, he began to sell equipment and eventually moved to Mildura. There, he established a retail business and, eventually, a distribution network with other businesses, both in Victoria and across eastern Australia. From Hogan's perspective, there was nothing unusual about that arrangement. The Department of Veterans Affairs had encouraged him to apply for government tenders, but warned that, to win, he would need to be able to supply equipment throughout Australia. Then, one morning, Rob Hogan's world was turned upside down. Prior to the investigation, what did you know about Australian competition law and criminal cartel law? Uh, Look, honestly, I was in Bendigo when um, our premises were raided and um, they rang... My son rang me up and he said, Dad, Dad, you know, we've, we've got a problem. And I said, oh, yeah, I see the systems are down, mate. And he goes, no, no, bigger problem than that, Dad. We've got, a, these, we've got these ACCC investigators and they want to talk to you. And, and you're on video too, Dad, so don't say anything, don't swear. So, oh, right, mate. <laughs> and that's the first thing you knew of this investigation? Oh, absolutely, yes. Yeah, there was uh, about, about 25 people walked into the little shop on the corner of 9th Street there and... Um, I didn't think you'd fit that many people in there, but there was federal police all in their SWAT gear and their tasers and all the batons and things, and I go, wow, what's going on? And then they walked through videoing everything, and and they, they read out the charges to me over the phone, and they said, you know, cartel contact. And so, you know, me and my wife sort of said, oh, I suppose I better come home, but I said, mate, yeah, these could be criminal charges, you know, so you, yes, you should come home. I said, like, okay. When I got there, it was like um, something out of Mission Impossible. Like, you've got these computers all pulled apart. They've got these three or four guys with wobbing big suitcases all opened up, and there's just lights and whizzing noises, and, you know, they're just draining all of the hard drives. They're just taking everything. Um, and that sort of went on until about 7 o'clock that night. And with that, Rob Hogan had made legal history. The charges levelled against him and Country Care, as well as an employee called Cameron Harrison, were the first ever to target individuals in Australia. However, it wasn't the first time an Australian company had been hit by criminal cartel charges. There was one precedent, known as the Colvend case, which went to court over 100 years ago. Please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Peter Stevenson. I'm a partner in the competition team at King and Wood Mallisons, and it's great to be speaking with you from Gadigal land. I've come to the heart of Sydney's legal district to talk about the history of Australia's criminal cartel offences. 
Peter, the phrase criminal cartel often conjures up images of drug lords, but that's not what this is about. For those unfamiliar with this law, what is its purpose? That's a really great place to start, Laurel. So cartels are really agreements between competitors to fix prices, allocate competitors, coordinate bids for tenders or contracts, or to restrict the amount of a good or a service that they make available for purchase by customers. And the policy premise that sits behind the cartel laws that prohibit the making and giving effect to cartel arrangements is that any reduction in competitive tension between suppliers will lead to a reduction in price, a reduction in quality or a reduction in choice for customers and that's bad for the economy as a whole. Now, under Australian competition law, there are both civil prohibitions on cartel conduct and criminal cartel offences. And the criminal cartel offences include additional mental elements to establish the offence, essentially establishing that someone had an intention or that the firm or the person knew or believed that they were entering into a cartel arrangement. And where that can be established for an individual on a criminal basis, they can be sentenced for up to 10 years in jail or fined up to $444,000 or both. Criminal offences were added to what is now the Competition and Consumer Act in 2009. But why did lawmakers feel the need to threaten cartelists with jail sentences? Here's Peter Stevenson again. Yeah, Australia is an interesting jurisdiction. We draw our roots from many places. And in fact, there was a criminal offence right back at the start of of Australian competition jurisprudence. There was some legislation introduced in 1906, the Australian Industries Preservation Act. And that actually had a really limited form of cartel conduct in it, um, where corporations entered into a trust or a cartel that operated against the public interest. And those trusts could be charged with criminal offences if the conduct was carried out with the intention to restrain trade to the detriment of the public. There was one prosecution that was brought under that legislation that went all the way to the Privy Council and the Commonwealth failed to establish that intention element. And so it was seen as a a big um, failure for them. And then subsequently the legislation was also declared to be constitutionally invalid. So it really was, you know, that really early start, an attempt by Australia to align itself with the jurisprudence, particularly of the US at that time, which had a criminal offence under the Sherman Act from the 1890s. It's now taken us another hundred years before cartel conduct has actually been criminalised in Australia, even though, as you say, there's been those civil contraventions in the legislation since 1974. Yeah, this is the business hub, so we have all of our IT contacts. G'day, g'day. Ross, how are you, mate? Yeah, likewise. Back at Country Care in Mildura, Rob Hogan has now stepped away from the day-to-day running of the company, which he has passed on to his sons. And while he says business is going well, it will take years to repay the expenses incurred in funding his legal defence. It was, gee, we, we did think, you know, invoice financing, debtor financing, you know, high interest costs funding to fund the case. And this building we're putting, we're sitting in now, we, we put this one on the market, we put one in Ninth Street on the market, put a, a wonderful site I had in Bendigo on the market, but we sold that. So, we, you know, we had to fund this whole process. And what about the actual dollar figure of that loss, Rob? Yeah, so when you when it comes down to the dollar figure and you you know, it was overall across the case it was in excess of ten million dollars. Um, it's hard to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, excuse me. Can you take your time? But um yeah. Well it is what it is, isn't it? We can't do much about that. That Hogan's defence in the lead up and during the 12-week trial should have ended up costing him so much 
was linked to the complex nature of the case. His legal team needed to understand the complexities of competition law, but would also need criminal experience and be able to present the detailed charges to a jury. It was always going to be a costly affair. It was by far the most complex case that they've ever had in this country, and probably anywhere, because our legislation is so complex and was never drafted for criminal matters. Kate Morgan is a senior counsel of the New South Wales Bar. She was one of the defence lawyers in what was at times a tense and draining trial. It was different doing a competition case that had to go to a jury because you always have a case theory that you're presenting to a court, but to have a case theory that you're presenting to a jury has to have different kinds of elements to it. Not just trying to tell a story, but trying to tell a story that connects to the general population and not just a well-educated legal person if you had a judge. So that that means you have to be really thoughtful about the words you use, how you set up the story, how you deal with witnesses, how you present the case to the jury. Throughout the trial, barristers for both the defence and federal prosecutors found themselves needing to strike a balance between arguing issues of competition law while also ensuring that the jury remained on board. Kate Morgan says that she, representing Country Care, and criminal barrister Dean Jordan, representing Rob Hogan, would at times struggle to get that balance right. Um, And you may recall during the trial, at one point, Dean Jordan said about... I had tried to explain one of the defences to the jury, which was so complicated. And he said to the jury um, something along the lines of, I concentrated so hard but I did not understand what Ms Morgan was saying. And if I didn't understand it, it's okay for you not to understand it. And if you didn't understand it, you have to acquit. That's quite a unique thing to have happen in front of a jury. It's not normal that you have barristers saying, I didn't understand what they were saying, and and that not being a negative. Like, that wasn't a criticism of me, and I didn't take it as a criticism. That was just saying, connecting to the jury, Mm. talking about this is really complicated, and it's okay if you don't understand. Rob Hogan, the boilermaker from the town of Bendigo, in the southeastern Australian state of Victoria, was in court for every day of the trial and watched the jury carefully. I think it was that was well-rounded. You could see there were some quite um, smart, um, intellectual people in the room. There were some tradie sort of guys. There was a there was a lawn bowler in there from somewhere. He wore his jacket in a few times. Um, so yeah, it was look. I thought they were good people. Did so. you feel they understood the case? No, no, hell no, no. They had no idea what was going on. No, that this they couldn't like. I, I don't see how it got quite complex and I don't understand it and I've done five years of um, studying competition and consumer law now <laughs> and I paid a lot for it. And it's not just in Australia that the challenge to present competition law to a jury is being felt. In the United Kingdom, prosecutors have struggled with criminal cartel prosecutions with juries unwilling to convict. While in the United States, the Department of Justice has brought price-fixing charges against the same group of chicken industry executives three times, with the men acquitted on all occasions. But juries present another problem for competition law specialists. The reasons that lead jurors to convict, or in the case of country care, to acquit, 
remain unknown. Catherine Edgehill is a partner with Mills Oakley Lawyers and was a defence lawyer in the country care prosecution. The jury had a really difficult role, an incredibly difficult role. Yes, there were some jurors who fell asleep, but almost to a man and a woman, they were diligent. You could see them taking notes. They would ask questions where they were allowed to ask questions. They turned up day in, day out. But we will never know really what level of understanding they had, but their diligence, their willingness to listen to it all, I think was just exemplary. Yet, as the trial unfolded in the courtroom, with Melbourne facing another COVID-19 lockdown, jurors began to fall by the wayside. By the end of the trial, of the 14 jury members impanelled, only 11 were left standing. Or not standing. One jury member's back pain became so severe that he had to follow proceedings while lying on the courtroom floor, with a monitor set up so that he could see the lawyers. It was an illustration of the jury's physical and mental struggle with the case. Peter Stevenson again. I think what what is most difficult with the cartel regime is that we have a very detailed set of cartel prohibitions and it's the same level of detail for the civil prohibitions and the criminal cartel offences. As I said, they run to several pages. And then overlaid on top of that is the operation of the criminal law. We've spoken about the mental element, but the application of the Commonwealth Criminal Code to, to cartel provisions is complex and getting that across to a jury is going to be very difficult. I think that to succeed, it has to be a really simple fact pattern that there are no questions about for a jury to then be able to apply the criminal overlay to that and for that to be established beyond reasonable doubt. There is you know, the beginnings of another debate around whether there is a need for further simplification of the cartel regime, whether it is a simplification just of the criminal provisions with the greater level of detail remaining in the civil provisions remains to be seen. In last year's proceedings, the complexity of the case, coupled with the challenges of running a trial while dodging Melbourne's COVID-19 lockdowns, led to frayed tempers in the courtroom. Judge Robert Bromwich levelled unusually blunt criticism at defence lawyer Kate Morgan. Morgan, who was also working on a criminal cartel case involving major banks, a case that never made it to trial but had its share of heated moments, said the judge's comments in the country care case were surprising. So just so you know, what happened in that trial was highly unusual. Yeah, that is something that none of us had ever experienced before. And there are lots of reasons for that. And it should never happen again. I mean, and you would have seen the difference with the bank cartel. That never happened. Even when he was cross with people and calling our case a schmozzle. But ultimately, one of the skills you have as a barrister is to take as many hits as you have to take for your client. Mm -hmm. And just remember, no matter how bad things are, it's on the transcript. And you have things recorded on the transcript. So if things go to another place, um, you can point to that. Um, What really helped me is having my team. And so part of it, that is not just the logistical support, but it's the emotional support to know that those around you are on your side. Catherine Edgehill also remembers those events clearly. Counsel in, in, or senior counsel in the matter, were all very different personalities, some being more emotional than others, 
some facing more challenges than others because of gender, I think. But there were times when the emotions ran ran very high on all sides and it did make life a little bit more stressful. I can say that I think a lot of the stresses which happened towards the end of the trial were in relation to how the judge was going to actually address the jury on very complex legal competition issues overlaid with what needed to be established to make out criminal liability. I I can recall a conversation where we were quite concerned that there might be a hung jury and we were concerned about what would happen if the pandemic meant that we, we lost somebody and we were in lockdown right at the very end. And I think that was one of the biggest stresses, thinking that we've gone through all of this, we may have to go through it all again, and can can anybody afford you know, that amount of money as well? It's an, it was an enormous stress. As all of this drama was unfolding, the landmark court case was also testing the resolve of the other individual facing years in jail over his role in Country Care's relationship with other retailers. The Commonwealth Director of Public Prosecutions had translated the ACCC's country care investigation into two groups of charges. The first grouping involved allegations of price fixing. They centred on Rob Hogan and, in particular, comments he had made at a 2014 gathering of disability aid retailers in Melbourne. The second grouping of charges related to what investigators considered to be a case of bid rigging for a tender involving the Federal Department of Veterans Affairs. That's where Cameron Harrison's story begins. Catherine Edgehill worked on his defence team. Cameron was, at the start of the investigation, a reasonably recent employee of the Country Care Group. He and his then fiance, now wife, had taken a year off and travelled overseas. His parents lived in Mildura. They came back to Mildura at the end of their trip with very little money and Cameron applied for a job which I think was a data entry operator with Country Care Group. He started that role and they very quickly realised that he was probably a little bit better than um, was required for that role. And so they got him involved in contract management. He had worked in the bank beforehand. He was very young, but also a very very astute and very, very smart and very sharp young man. And why was Harrison charged or what charges specifically did he face? It started with 43 charges which were um, laid and for which he had to appear in the Mildura local court. Those 43 charges eventually became um, three charges, but they involved the establishment of an agreement between what were called members of the country care group and Cameron was responsible for getting that agreement drafted, getting it checked by legal advisers and for sending it out initially to 43 separate members, hence the 43 um, separate charges originally. What happened was that he had been asked by his boss, Robert Hogan, to draft an agreement which would cover the relationship between various independent 
uh, retailers of medical assistance products across the country whom Robert Hogan had got together for the purposes of being able to provide nationally to the Department of Veterans Affairs. That agreement involved a clause which provided that those members would not advertise prices for DVA contracted goods for prices lower than they had agreed to provide them to the DVA. Cameron um, sought legal advice in relation to that clause. It was cleared by a regional lawyer who wasn't a competition lawyer and it was that sending out of that agreement which sent, led to the charges of attempting to make an agreement with a cartel provision in it. The charges against Cameron Harrison were, and remain, particularly controversial. Concerned over the legality of the contract he'd been asked to send to members of the retailing group, Harrison had the document vetted by Bendigo-based law firm O'Farrell, Robertson, McMahon, a law firm Hogan had used for other legal work. A lawyer from the firm gave Harrison the all-clear, and he clicked send. That email would cost him five years of turmoil and put him at risk of imprisonment, although country care would cover his legal expenses. Pretty much his life was on hold. Um, He had the support of an amazing family and an amazing young woman, Renee, who is now his wife, but their um, marriage plans were put on hold, for example. And then, of course, the pandemic hit as well. Um, I'm glad to say that they are now married. He changed jobs in the middle of it and you know he had to be very upfront with his new employer about what was happening. His time in the in the trial, the, those 12 to 13 weeks, he used up all his leave. Um, so too did um, his father and his fiancée who sat through the entire time. Harrison chose not to be interviewed for this report, with Catherine Edgehill saying that he just wants to put this ordeal behind him. However, part of Harrison's story is yet to play out. Country Care and Rob Hogan have taken legal action against O'Farrell, Robertson, McMahon in the Supreme Court of Victoria in a bid to recover at least part of the millions of dollars spent on their defence. If successful, the case could send a cautionary message to suburban and regional law firms over any future involvement in competition law issues. And in a further plot twist, O'Farrell Robertson McMahon has told the Victorian Supreme Court that it can't be held liable for what happened to Harrison and country care because everyone was ultimately acquitted, a result that vindicated the Bendigo law firm's work. But the real controversy over Harrison's charges is the suspicion held by some of the defence team, that he had only been charged in the hope that he would flip for prosecutors. Catherine Edgehill. We we had often thought that Cameron may well have been brought into the trial in the hope of, of he deciding that he didn't want to be part of it and giving evidence against country care or Robert Hogan. But there was no evidence to give against him. He, as I said, was as honest as a, as a day is long. So there, there was no chance of, of, of that happening. Um, there was an instance very early on in the proceedings where 
a lawyer from the CDPP told me that you know in no uncertain terms that Cameron was was you know could expect to actually go to jail. So you know that that's the sort of thing you have to tell your client, and it's it's not an easy thing to do and to to maintain your innocence in the face of that. There, there is some some risk, I suppose. Another theory put forward by those involved in the defence is that prosecutors hadn't expected that the matter would go to trial. They thought that Country Care and Hogan would weigh up the risk of an extended jail sentence and then cut a deal with the Commonwealth Director of Public Prosecutions, or CDPP. This is what happened in a criminal prosecution launched after Country Care, involving Vietnamese community foreign exchange businesses in Melbourne and Sydney. Most of those targeted in that case had to rely on state-appointed lawyers, with all but one of the accused individuals in that case pleading guilty. But, as Kate Morgan explains, Robert Hogan was determined not to fold. And in that, he was unusual. I have a real fundamental problem with the idea that an individual, from a pragmatic point of view, can plead guilty because they get this massive discount and they can avoid jail. Um, But from a moral perspective, they did not do whatever the allegation is. Uh, So I I have a real problem with that, but it doesn't mean I don't advise them to do it because in lots of cases, they don't have the economic wherewithal and they don't have the mental wherewithal. You know, most people are not Rob Hogan. Mm-hmm. You know, he is a very unusual person to say, I did not do this, I will defend this, and then put serious money into it is very unusual. You don't, you don't normally get those people. Normally people will plead guilty in some way, whether it's to a lesser charge, mm-hmm. and that is a rational choice for them to make. Surprisingly, though, many competition lawyers don't see the ACCC's failure to secure a conviction in the country care trial as a significant setback. Throughout the world, all competition enforcers have struggled to develop the expertise to carry out criminal, as distinct from civil, investigations. As a result, initial attempts to secure convictions have often ended in acquittals, while providing investigators with useful experience in how to approach future criminal investigations. Competition lawyer Peter Stevenson describes unprecedented legal challenges and courtroom decisions that have begun to shape the development of future criminal cartel prosecutions in Australia, informing both prosecutors and defence teams as they find their way around the 2009 offences. Together, I think they are actually showing that the criminal cartel regime is working as it should, because not every case that is brought should lead to a conviction. And that's the same whether it's criminal cartel regimes, whether it's market manipulation, or whether it's general, you know, sort of burglary type cases. Not every case will lead to a conviction. But together with the continued progress of other prosecutions and the fact that the ACCC is continuing to take cartel investigations on a criminal basis demonstrate that individuals who might be out there now considering cartel conduct should recognise that the loss of their liberty is much more than a theoretical possibility if they're going to make or give effect to a criminal cartel provision or a cartel provision. And the convictions that have been obtained, whether it's a result of a guilty plea or a contested hearing, they will continue to embolden the ACCC to investigate and for the ACCC and CDPP to prosecute more individuals for engaging in cartel conduct. The ACCC stands to benefit in other ways from the country care prosecution. 
Firstly, there's the issue of deterrence. Even if the trial ended in acquittals, anyone who may be contemplating entering into a cartel arrangement in Australia would know that a jail sentence is, if nothing else, on the table. What's more, their court defence could prove extremely costly to run. In this sense, the country care prosecution was a warning shot that Australia's business community would have heard clearly, regardless of the acquittals. That fear of both prosecution as well as conviction is important for the ACCC for another reason. The antitrust regulators' investigations often rely on immunity witnesses to come forward and alert them to cartel conduct. The higher the stakes, the more likely a cartelist will be to appear, fearing that other members of the cartel may approach the ACCC first and benefit from the protection of an immunity deal. Lawyer Catherine Edgehill again. One of the criticisms of a witness in in these proceedings was that that person was an immunity applicant, but that person hadn't presented to the ACCC all of the relevant information. If you are relying on that immunity process, then it's extremely important, I think, that there's some investment in making sure that the investigations that are conducted are appropriate, that there is perhaps a better emphasis on how those people will present as witnesses and checking the veracity of, of, of those sorts of things. You know, if history overseas has anything to say about it, the US is much better at, at um criminal cartel prosecutions. The UK hasn't quite got it right either, and we are a long way from from getting it right. Edgehill is referring here to the ACCC's star witness in the country care prosecution, a Sydney-based retailer called Andrew Cudahy. His testimony was ultimately seen as problematic by Justice Bromwich, who warned the jury that the information provided by the witness could prove, quote, unreliable. The judge's remarks were seen as a turning point in the case. Since then, another key ACCC immunity witness in a criminal cartel case against the Construction, Forestry, Maritime, Mining and Energy Union also unravelled, contributing to the collapse of the entire prosecution in August 2021. The immunity process involves coming forward to the ACCC, providing documents, but also providing a witness statement. And there's a real question around, as part of your cooperation, the extent to which you are required to admit to the conduct that will then constitute a criminal offence because, or a, or a civil civil pro, civil contravention as well. It just calls into question the not just the reliability of witnesses' memories, but the extent to which memories have been shaped by the by the particularities of the competition law and to be able to establish to a jury's satisfaction that each of the elements the physical elements and the mental elements of that offence have been established a witness's evidence needs to be framed in a particular way and so there's a concern that the way that some immunity witnesses have presented it looks as if their evidence has been framed in a way that may not fit with their first recollections, for example, of, of the way that the of the events in question. The prosecution's missteps in the criminal cartel cases it has pursued has brought attention to the ACCC's investigative shortcomings. That, in turn, has sparked an internal revamp at the agency, with a specialised cartels unit now in place as well as changes to the regulator's witness statement-taking practices, as the ACCC builds up its investigative expertise for criminal probes. But looking back on his ordeal, 
Rob Hogan is still smarting from the way he was treated and resents the notion that the ACCC and public prosecutors used his case as a test run for future criminal cartel prosecutions. A year after his acquittal, he says the events of the first criminal cartel trial in recent Australian history still haunt him. It, look, it's been a bit of a mixed bag, I, I must say. I, I came out of the courtroom in, you know, on the 2nd of June and, you know, we sort of drove home the next morning and, um, and I, I really didn't come back to work until oh, maybe January or February. I, me and my wife, you know, we just... Just, um, yeah, I didn't think it would affect me. I thought, hey, you're not guilty. You should be like, wow, on top of the world. You should be, you bloody ripper. But it was, I don't know why, but it was just like, I was just tired. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, we, we went up to Darwin for a few weeks and I went fishing with my boys for a few weeks and then we just, just went away. We just, just just went away, just tried to come to terms with everything. Um, we spent a week or so at home and then we said, oh, I've just got to get out of here, i just got to leave for a while. Um, but yeah, yeah, pulled the socks out of me for a little while and certainly my wife and my family too. Like, I remember they were going through this with us as well. You know, we've got the kids running the business, we've got our you know, kids running at home, you know, running the family and uh, they're all living this same um, torture. And where do you feel you are in that recovery now? I think I'm, I'm close to 80% better, I think. Yeah, yeah. I'm not there. You know, both, both me and Becca probably, you know, we're not totally there yet. It's, 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 it's five years. It, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it takes two or four or five years to really get myself into a place where it's just totally behind me. It's totally gone and... Um, yeah, but I think I need to talk about it now. Um, I think it's sort of come a time now that I can at least talk about it again and, um, you know, put our view forward. Yeah, that's, that's sort of where I'm at. Rob Hogan, the first individual charged under Australia's 2009 criminal cartel laws. He, his company Country Care and his co-defendant Cameron Harrison were acquitted of all charges. That report was by MLEC senior reporter Laurel Henning in Sydney. Production by me, James Paniki. The ACCC, Australia's federal prosecutor and witness Andrew Cudahy, all declined repeated invitations to comment. Bendigo-based law firm O'Farrell Robertson McMahon didn't return MLEC's calls. And our coverage of Country Care's court action against that law firm is ongoing. MLEX subscribers have access to the full portfolio of our country care coverage over recent years and will publish our written version of that interview with Rob Hogan at our website, mlexmarketinsight.com. That's M-L-E-X marketinsight.com. Just click on the News Hub tab for the very best of our reporting and analysis from our team of journalists around the globe. And that's where we'll leave it for today. Thank you for staying with us for this special edition of the MLEX podcast. As the Northern Hemisphere summer progresses, the podcast will take a break for the next few weeks in the hope of giving our marketing team in London a chance to unwind. We'll be back in your feed in early September. From me and everyone here at MLEX and LexisNexis, thank you for your company. Bye for now. Bye for now.